What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. What the hell are we going to talk about today? Kalal, and we are Atlanta's own two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was Atlanta professional sports, wacky ass hijinks, and analysis presented by the Pigskin Podcast Network. Adam, how's it going, sir? Overall, you know, it's a new year. We had a lot to look back on in 2022 on our last episode, but we are in the dark ages right now, Graham, of sports. Yep. We've officially hit, like, you know, NFL season's over for us. Baseball offseason is very slow. The Braves roster's pretty much there. There's not going to be too much left to report on unless Anthopolis does something crazy. And, uh, you know, I guess we'll have to start watching the Hawks now. But I'm just not into it. I, I need this podcast to motivate me to, uh, you know, what's going to push me through the next couple of months, Graham? That's what I think we should talk about today. So uh, we didn't have a show last week. We started off the year strong. And uh, well, one thing I did do last week, I think it was last week, was I watched the the Hawks play the Warriors and then lost in double overtime. I watched the entire game. I stayed up to like one thirty, And uh, it was misery. It was just pure misery the entire way. Um, it did not make me want to watch any more Hawks games for a while. And I don't think I've watched one since. I mean, I guess the good news is they're kind of like still hovering around 500. They had a good win on the road against the Clippers the other night. Seems like John Collins is getting going a little bit. Yeah, he's he really started playing well in that Warriors game. I was like, all right, I'm starting to see JC here. I'm starting to see him come to life. Seems like DeAndre Hunter's starting to come to life a little bit. Clint Capella's still out, and I, I think everyone is just – you know, fully realizing just how important he is for this team. But, you know, Graham, now, now that we're on this topic, yeah, I continue to get more and more upset about the Kevin Herter trade. Mm-hmm. Like, it is just absolutely inexcusable. And you you look at all the turmoil going on in the front office, which we barely even talked about with Travis Schlenk stepping down. I think Landry Fields is our GM now. Basically, Tony Ressler's son calls all the shots. And, like, you know, I feel like a year or two ago, we were like, oh, yeah, Ressler, this is, like, this is what you want. You want, a, like, a, a face that cares, unlike Liberty Media. Well, it's backfiring. Like, Ressler, he's causing some issues, Graham. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden, a franchise that was so promising is just, like, a couple – they've made some wrong moves and, like, clearly just trying to stay below the luxury tax – like, you cannot justify trading Kevin Herter for Justin Holiday. Like, you just can't do it. There's no way except he wanted to stay under the luxury tax. Not to mention we weren't even carrying a full roster for the first couple months waiting for these 10-day contracts to become a, po- a possibility because they wanted to stay under the damn uh, tax threshold, whatever the hell it's called. And... You know, it's just pissing me off. And I think that's why I'm just staying away from the Hawks right now. It's just like a Hawks subreddit. I've been following them a lot now. And they're just, they're all about just being like we're Kings fans now, right? And just pictures of red velvet, you know, just the beautiful Kevin Herter that is like 43% uh, three-point percentage. And I don't know, Graham. What are your thoughts about Kevin Herter? Uh, it would be nice uh, this year to pair him up with Bogdanovich um, in terms of, you know, being able that would really deepen our bench offensively. And, yeah, 
Justin Holiday hasn't really given us much. And I think, you know, it's, I don't really care about nepotism, honestly, the whole Tony Resler's son thing, because nepotism exists in every business. Um, you know, when your plumber retires, who's the business going to? His son. Uh, you know, it's yours now, Gus, sort of deal. Like that happens all the time. But it is a thing where I'm sure, like, Gus has been trained by his dad his entire life to run the plumbing business, whereas I don't think Tony Ressler's son knows what the hell he's doing, you know? It's like, this is a hell of a, a thing just to give uh, someone uh, control over, and that that's weird. It's also weird that Travis Schlenk has stepped down, you know, after, uh, well, he's a GM for like, or, uh, for like four or five years, and he's not really an old man or anything. And, you know, I don't think you bust your ass as an assistant GM for the, the Warriors win a couple of titles and come to Atlanta to step down after four or five years. Um, something, something is really going on. Something is foul in the water in, in Atlanta right now in terms of this Hawks basketball team. Obviously Nate McMillan's is still a complete disaster as a coach. Um, this offense looks like it's from, you know, it's an offense that I on paper would, would like because it's like a bunch of, uh, jump shoot mid-range jump shooters you know and it's like an old school kind of offense but it's like it's just isolation bullshit and and there are so many plays uh where there's just no fluidity in the ball movement and it's you know and uh it's just guys jacking up shots and you're and you're right not having clint capella just looms large in that warriors game they just crushed us in the post like john collins and okongu both made a couple of you know good defensive plays but pound for pound we were getting out rebounded. that's the reason we lost that game on the last possession, we gave up three offensive rebounds, and they they got the tip in at the buzzer. Um, and that's just the way the whole game worked. It just seemed like every time we really needed a stop, it was they were just uh, they were there to get the offensive board and just put in the extra effort. And not having Capella is just a killer. Well, and and Graham, back to the the Schlenk piece, and like it's got to be because you know that Herder move. That's not a basketball move you didn't do that to better the basketball team right and it's obvious that schlenk didn't have 100 percent control of what was going on and he's a guy you know we called him the great schlenk the great savior like he got this franchise to where it is and then just like a couple moves like that it's just kind of gone to shit all of a sudden and um it's frustrating like look they could still click you know, we're in January at this point. Like the, they still have some talented pieces, but it's just like I, I don't, I don't know what you do. I don't, I don't think a coach change is just going to completely flip a switch. It's just like the effort and energy is just not there. And at the end of the day, like we've put all of our cards in with Trey Young, a small guard who can't play defense, and you know, and closing games out is defense. And like we, we've seen with this team so much this year where they'll have a lead and just blow it in the fourth quarter and then just start playing hero ball. And that's just not how you're going to win. Like, I don't know why you get away from what builds these leads and then either Trey or DeJounte play hero ball and everyone's just standing there. And it's, it's not fun to watch at all. Yeah. Yeah. Or in the case of the Warriors game, they couldn't figure out what to do until the third quarter make a great comeback and then just sort of, you know, blew their load at that point. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, uh, and, and then the Warriors just out hustle you. And the Warriors were, you know, without Steph Curry. And, uh, you know, we let Clay Thompson score like 57 points or something insane. And yeah, you're, you're exactly right in terms of just the effort. But I mean, I think a coaching switch would help. I mean, we saw what happened when, 
you know, as ironic as this is, when McMillan took over for Lloyd Pierce, I mean, this team almost went to the damn NBA Finals. Um, I, I believe there's a lot of talent in this team, and this team can gel. But I think, you know, looking at it, you know, um, trying to look at it as objectively as I can, you really mortgaged your future for DeJounte Murray to sort of put you over the top. And as good as he is, um, hasn't been worth it with the way the rest of the team has played. And um, I just, uh, I feel like we are on the precipice of um, going through another rebuild. I think people are going to get frustrated. I don't think DeJounte Murray is going to want to stay here. I can't speak for him. I don't know him. He's been a, a team first guy uh, for sure. But I don't think he's going to want to sign a long-term extension given how the Hawks are playing right now. I, I think we're really we're really close to blowing this whole thing up that um, you know initially was built pretty well. Um, but now it just doesn't, it just it really doesn't look good. It really doesn't look good. It feels like, you know, the the whole five year, what's it been since this is Trey's fifth year. I think it just feels like, Oh man, this could really, this could really be coming undone here. It seems like we just have a developmental problem in terms of like taking good players and pushing them up to that next level. Cause you, you a Bruno Fernando, believe it or not, he's like actually a pretty good role player for the thunder. Now where like, he was nothing for us. And it's like Nate McMillan just doesn't play these guys enough. Like he's kind of, he's had to play AJ Griffin this year just cause of injuries and not having harder and all of that. But like Jalen Johnson, he's so up and down and he didn't play at all last year. You like, you would like him to be at a better place this year than he is. And it's frustrating, Graham. I'm annoyed in case you can't tell. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think this is, uh, this is your version of the trenches for the Falcons for me. What development playing rookies. Yeah. Player development or just being generally frustrated with the direction of the franchise in terms of all the uh, various aspects of it from the front office to the coaching, to the play on the court. Well, I mean, it kind of – I don't know if you want to talk too much more about the Hawks, but I think i think that it kind of leads into what expectations might be for the next year or two of the Falcons, where, like, you know, with this Hawks team, the roster's there. Like, we are beyond – oh, look at the potential of Trey. Once we get some pieces there, it's going to be great. Like, we've been building around him. And, like, we thought this was going to be the team this year with bringing in DeJounte. And so far it's just not and expectations change. And like, once you get to that point where you need to start winning, it's do it or don't time. And the Hawks are just shitting the bed left and right right now. And, you know, losing fan support with it and anything that was gained in that amazing run a couple of years ago, it's, I think it's well out the window and, you know, Tony wrestler needs to decide what he's going to do to get fan support back. Yeah, I think you would be loath to blow it up. I think you really would. But um, I don't know. I don't know what you do. And it all go, you know, part of me also goes back to the whole Trey versus Luka debate. How much more of a complete player Luka Donkic is. Um, not that that matters now. It's kind of stupid to just bring that conversation back up. But it is one of those things where, and you know, just making that one move doesn't. And you know, if everything else, you know, shook out uh, the way that it has, I don't think it would really making a big difference in terms of if Luca was here and Trey was here with the same cast of characters might be, you know, I think we'd be better, but I don't think we'd, I don't think we'd be much better. 
So I think it really comes down to a, just an organizational thing. Um, again, McMillan should not be the coach. Um, and I think he proved that uh, last year. And then the front off, it's just the whole thing. It just, just stinks. It really just stinks. And um, even though we are, you know, the, the win against the Clippers was good, it's still just one of those things where it's like, you know, the wheels are just going to, I mean, it's not even like the wheels are on the on on the car right now. It's like we got uh, two wheels and a half, and every once in a while you'd be able to move a little bit. But at the end of the day, you're gonna you're just gonna spin out, and you're not gonna go anywhere. That that's how this team feels. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out the math on that Luca trade now because we, I know it initially netted us Cam Reddish, which was like okay if he pops. You know, that, that it could be looking a lot better, but we know how that ended up. And then trading him to the Knicks, we traded a 2022 first-round pick, which I'm assuming is one of the picks that we flipped for DeJounte. So, like, you know, roundabout way, you could say that Luca Trey trade got us DeJounte and Trey, I guess. But still, it's... Then you had to give up. Yeah, you still had to give up that and another first rounder for DeJounte, right but like so. we still we like we still drafted aj griffin in the first round this year as well so like we i don't know it's i i get acquiring assets and like in that herder trade i always bitch about we we are getting a first round pick back from it and the kings are actually pretty good this year so i think it'll actually vest so that's i guess good news but i don't know we we shouldn't be talking off season already in january Although it's still what, like, yes, six months left of this NBA season goes on forever. Yeah, if you if you're talking about the damn finals, I don't think the finals end until July for some reason. The NBA is insane. Well, let's move on from that to slightly, I guess, more uplifting news. the The Falcons beat Tampa Bay first time ever that we beat Tom Brady, Adam. First time ever that the Falcons beat Tom Brady. He only played like a quarter and a half, but it doesn't matter. We are now 1-12 all time against Tom Brady. I'll take it, Graham. I will take it. Any, any way you can get it done. I, I wish it would have put him out of the playoffs or put us into the playoffs, considering they only finished with one more win than us. And, you know, I think we set an NFL record for the like most amount of single uh, possession losses this year. I think you're right. There's only out of those 10 losses, the only game we were not in was against the Bengals. Like so many worlds that we're in the playoffs, but you know, at the end of the day, I realize winning those last few games isn't good for draft position, but all you got to know and like, feel a lot better about the future is just look at the box score of this game against the Bucks and your top three players. You've got Desmond Ritter, 19 to 30, 224, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Tyler Algier setting the Falcons rookie running back um, record for yards in a season. And he had 135 on the day. And then you got Drake London, who has absolutely loved the quarterback switch from Mariota to Ritter, who went off for six and one twenty in this last game, including Graham, a deep pass. We had like a forty-yard completion. It was beautiful. Ste stepped up in the pocket and just slung it. 
Yeah. He the thing that I was most impressed with about Ritter, it reminded me like of an old Mike Vick throw. Um in a good way. I know sometimes it's a little dangerous to uh say good things about a Mike Vick throw um <laughs> for another quarterback just considering how inaccurate Mike was at times, but it was one of those things where Ritter just flicked his wrist, stepped up in the pocket, flicked his wrist, and the ball goes 40 yards, perfectly accurate to Drake London. Uh, it was exceptional. And I and I know, like, uh, you know, this is all done against the Bucks' second and third string players by the, you know, halfway through the second quarter. It was so encouraging to see, you know, all these guys uh, put up great efforts. And Tyler Algier's been doing it all year. You mentioned set the record for uh, rushing uh, for a single season and a running back for a, a rookie Falcon. But, I mean, Algier was great all year. Um, there's a reason he, he's the first Falcon to eclipse 1,000 yards since Devontae Freeman. This guy's the real deal. Hats off to Terry Fontenot for finding him in the fifth round, not overspending for a running back. Um, this is your number one running back for hopefully the next five to six seasons, if not more. Um, but it's just, you know, running backs usually have a short lifespan. Zero fumbles for the kid on the season as well, which is extremely impressive. And 210 carries considering how hard he runs. Um, so I'd imagine next year, he only had three touchdowns on the year. Patterson's was taking a lot of those. So I, b- I bet we see that number really, really jump up into do- double digits next year. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, his usage rate. The, the thing I really appreciated is that even though there were times when, yeah, Corderell and him were kind of splitting carries. Um, I appreciated, especially in this game and also in the Cardinals game, it's like, all right, let's just, let's just give it to him. And I wish they would have done that more in the season. We talked about that a lot, where it's like, why are we splitting, uh, you know, rushes without Jaron Patterson when, you know, Tyler's averaging damn six yards a carry. Um, so hopefully this is something that the uh, coaching staff takes into account next year as well. And this is also something I really, I've really liked from Ritter. You know, at first it was like, you know, that Saints game, his, his accuracy was terrible. He looked like, uh, you know, borderline Canadian Football League quarterback. So, you know, from week to week, it was like, all right, you were terrible at, at passing. Uh, you were terrible, you know, in the pocket in terms of your awareness. That got better the next week. Then it was like, all right, you know, let's let's see you win a game. You won a game, albeit against the Cardinals. And then it was like, all right, let's see if we can get – and he also had a game-winning drive, which was big. And then this week he threw a deep, uh, you know, accurate deep balls and had two touchdowns. Um, I think, you know, he did enough to – not to say that you don't think about a uh, quarterback in the draft. I kind of don't want to do that, though. Um, but he certainly made his case for the starting position. And I am amazed at the progression he made through four weeks. Because if if you told me that he was going to be having this kind of game at the end of the season compared to where he started in New Orleans, I would have said you're insane. Um, he really did a great job progressing through these four games. It's what we said we wanted to see at the end of the day. And, you know, this first half, I, I was looking at his stats. He had like 25 yards passing in the first or something. I was like, ooh, I don't know if this is the guy. But then he just turned it on in the second half. And like you said, we realized it's going up against, you know, some second stringers in there. But there was a lot to like. His poise, the way he moves around in the pocket, he doesn't seem to panic, um, just makes a lot of nice decisions. And I agree it is to the point where I trust that, like, I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar. We're not going that far, but I trust him to run our offense. And, you know, he didn't get the advantage of having a veteran quarterback 
behind him to kind of tutor him up. Like Mariota really screwed him there, I think. And with another offseason, bring in a veteran to be a solid number two and kind of coach this guy up. And I'm good with it. Use that first round pick on a D lineman, number eight overall. And, uh, you know, build build around these these guys. It's a nice young core and ready to make some moves, Graham. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And, um, you know, there's a couple of things with him where he, you know, had some bad fumbles um, in these four games. You know, he had one, I think, this week where it was just he was on his back throw and the ball just came out, so he's going to have to clean that up. But I don't think he threw an interception in these four games, and he played against some pretty – tough defenses at least for the first two games so um and another thing I like about him is you know you mentioned the poise but he also you know he just doesn't complain he never looks at the ref and looks for a call he never looks at his teammates and you know like what the hell are you doing um you know he's always motivating he's always you know just you know he's like he's like a horse he's got blinders on man he just has one goal and that's to try and score and try to win um, he doesn't let anything to you know distract him from that, and so I I, I really like him, and I and I hope he is I hope he becomes the guy. I, I have no idea what's going to happen, but he showed me a lot, and um, you know we'll just have to see uh, how things progress in the off season. But um, good showing for Desmond Ritter, and um, yeah, we'll see how it goes with him being able to run the first team offense all year, getting Kyle Pitts back, hopefully getting a uh, better. Number two wide receiver, maybe in free agency, would be swell to compliment Drake London. So, yeah, yeah, you kind of for, you kind of forget about Pitts after not seeing him for the last half of the season, but obviously that's a huge, massive piece of this franchise. So, Pitts, London, Algier, Ritter, you know Richie Grant. There's some there's some good young pieces they that they've brought in here. Not to mention AJ Terrell. Um, so let, let's see what they build around these, these young guys. And, you know, obviously that the rest of that wide receiver core really needs to be upgraded. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty dire where it's at now, but I don't think we see any, any of those names on the team next year, except maybe Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus stays and for sure. Michael Pruitt, not bad. Yeah. He stepped up. I grew on me. He stepped up. He became a. You know, he was getting a lot of targets. He got five targets in this game, three for 34 and a touchdown. Uh, had a really nice catch on a 29-yard pass as well. So, I mean, I, I like Michael Pruitt. I think he's a solid little player. Hopefully he's back next year. He turned into what I thought Ferkser would be. Yeah, I, I don't get where your love of Ferkser came from. <laughs> Probably seeing like one highlight one time, or maybe I start him in a fantasy on a waiver wire one time, and he got like 80 yards or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll roll with Pruitt going forward. Bring bring the guy back. Yeah, yeah. So uh, some other Falcons news. Um, Dean Pease retires, so the Falcons will be on the look for another defensive coordinator. I I was hoping he would come back for one more year um, to sort of you know maybe see what what we could do in a third year under his system. But he is gone. Um, he was, you know, really dealt a, a shit hand when it came to the defensive line outside of Grady Jarrett. So uh, I don't blame him for retiring. Seventy three. He got absolutely slobber knocked in that game before the the Saints and couldn't even. Uh, 
he couldn't even call the game because he, he had to go to the hospital or whatever after a player ran into him. So um, I don't blame him. And um, thought he did a decent job of what with the hand he was given. You know, it, it's hard to really evaluate how how good of a coordinator he was for us specifically because of the the personnel deficiencies. I mean, he came in, and I remember him saying this from the get go to just like help help build a culture for Arthur Smith. And like you said, he was dealt a terrible hand. And you look at these last here, six games, we gave up nineteen points, nineteen points. 21, 17. Oh, I'm sorry. 19, 19, 18, 9, 19, and 17. Like, that's pretty damn good. I recognize those aren't exactly, you know, it's the Commanders, Steelers, Saints, Ravens, Cardinals, Bucks, but like, he did a great job with what he was working with. And I think he has started to establish a culture. Like, you know, got to turn shit around in this city. You know, minus, I realize we got a World Series, but these Falcons, man, we just got to stop being soft defensively. Let's let's start to get after it a little bit. And if we can get just a beast with that number eight pick and around all the other pieces that we have on defense, I think we got something nice. But you got to bring in, like, a very good veteran defense, uh, defensive coordinator. Like, you know, like the Texans just fired Lovey Smith. Bring, bring someone in like that. I don't want... I that. don't want whoever our linebackers coach is getting promoted. I'm sorry. I want a veteran ex-head coach to come in here. And, like, Arthur Smith's still a young coach. He needs everything he can get. Um, so bring in a Lovey Smith. Bring in someone like that. And let's uh, let's keep it going. Yeah, I would like to do that. I mean, I think, too, you know, I'm looking at the, uh, the free agent class of 2023 for defensive ends. And uh, unfortunately, J.J. Watt's retiring. He just had a really good year for the the Cardinals. But you got a guy in Yannick Naguti uh, from Indianapolis put up 10 sacks and had uh, 16 tackles for loss. Um, you know, he made $13 million this year. He's 27. I'd love to bring in a guy like that, pair him up with a, a young beast uh, that we could get at the eighth overall pick. And let them, you know, and then you know, B to K gets another year or whatever, and you have a B to K compete with the the first round pick and things like that. Really, hulk out on the defensive line. Give that defensive, uh, you know, give that veteran defensive coordinator something to work with, right? Because if you just bring in a defensive uh, coordinator and you don't address the defensive line, then it's just going to be Dean Pease all over again. Um, so I really hope we can bring in someone like that. You also got older guys like Robert Quinn from uh, Philly who got um, ten tackles for loss. You got Brandon Graham from Philly who had, who had 11 sacks. So, I mean, you got guys out there. But I'd love to bring in a guy who's not in his 30s yet, who's entering his prime, and then draft a draft a really you know high-profile guy at the other at the other side of the defensive line and then pair them with Grady Jarrett, and let's see what we can do here. With Lovey Smith. I love the Lovey Smith idea, and it's a damn shame he was fired from the Texans. What a fucking shitty hand that is for him. That was, that's the worst roster in the league, and they fought their asses off every week. Almost beat the Cowboys. Um, you know, it, it's it's a shame that he got the shaft. That's ridiculous. Yeah, let, let him come to be with us for a year or two, and then go be a head coach again. Uh, we could br- coach Bro. We could bring him back. No, <laughs> not really. Here, here's what I with these free agents, Graham. So that, that's gonna, what's going to be interesting is like, do people want to come play in Atlanta? Because like. 
what are we selling to them right now? Like, or who is our, like, you know, with the Hawks, Trey Young can sell free agents on coming to Atlanta. Um, the Braves, I feel like the Braves, just like their culture in general and like how much they've won recently that sells people. But like, sure. But we don't sign high profile free agents, Adam, the Braves. Well, true. So we'll, we just trade for them. Um, but like, who's that? I mean, is it Grady in Atlanta? Is he the fra- face of this franchise right now? I don't think you can. I don't think you can call Ritter or London or Pitts any of those guys the face of the franchise at this point. Um, no, I mean, I could see if you bring in Lovey Smith, and you know, if you bring in Lovey Smith, guys love Lovey Smith universally through the league. You bring him in, and you also say, "Grady Jarrett's on that line. He needs your help. He needs your help, Yannick Naguki." He needs your help to make this at a formidable defensive line, and he's an absolute monster. I could see someone, you know, I think you got to have the right coordinator in there, though. And and Grady might not be enough to sell it, but you also you can also say AJ Terrell is one of the best cornerbacks in the league. You know, there there are guys you can sell the defense around, but it's really just those two guys right now. But you got to bring in a good coordinator first. That's got to be the first thing on Fontenot's uh, and and Arthur Smith's list of things to do in the offseason is get that veteran defensive coordinator in here. I agree. I, I don't want to promote internally, not to say those guys can't do it, but I, I, I'm, I'm with you in the sense that I don't want someone to have, having to learn the ropes as a first-time defensive coordinator. You need a veteran defensive coordinator. And credit to Dean Pease. Like, he did it. He announced it this early into the offseason because he wanted uh, Fontenot and Arthur Smith to have as much time as possible to find someone. So it's not surprising. You know, this is his third time retiring now. He's 73 I can't imagine me working beyond like the single first year where my retirement account has enough money in it for me to retire. That's just crazy. Work until 73. You really got to love what you do, I guess. Yeah. And uh, looking really looking forward to having $69.9 million to work with uh, free agency money. I think they save another 10 if they cut – or they add another 10 to that uh, cap value if they cut Mariota. This is the first year – Maybe since 2016, I think, that we had, or going into the 2016 season where we had a bitch load of cap space to spend. And we've talked about where we want to spend that money. Um, but, you know, I'm sure Fontenot's salivating over that money. I mean, the, as, as much shit as I've given Fontenot in terms of the way he's constructed parts of this team in the draft, especially the early draft picks, um, just because I don't think it was right at the time to do that. Um, he also just didn't have... Um, you know anything to work with in free agency, and that's his strong suit coming over here. He was he was the pro talent evaluator for the Saints as an assistant general manager. So now he can really we'll really see how good he is at that for the Falcons. He has damn near unlimited resources. Um, it's it's going to be fascinating to watch what he does uh, this off season. And this is really the time I think when Arthur Blank's going to expect them to start winning with all that money, all all that dead cap money coming off the books. Um, you got to, and having a top 10 draft pick again, you got, we, we got to make the playoffs next year. There, there's a culture that's being built here of guys who really give a shit or are playing as hard as they can, who are competitive. Uh, as you mentioned, we lost like what, 10 <laughs> one score games or whatever it was. Now's the time to, to make a play for, for the NFC South title. It can be done. Tampa Bay is not very good. Um, the saints and the Panthers aren't very good either. And we have more cap space than all of them. So let's let's figure out a way to make this work. This is the this is the Falcons' time to to rise from the ashes and be reincarnated 
as uh, the team we all hope they can be. But they got to take advantage of it. They got to make the right moves. Obviously, yeah, I think the the Falcons have definitely passed the Hawks in terms of like future outlook. Yes, and general interest. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it was a fun year. Like, I, I realized the last two games how much less interest I had once we were eliminated. Like, I still watched the games, but it was like, uh, this doesn't really mean anything beyond watching Ritter. So, you know, being involved, like having a chance at the playoffs, that's what it's about. That's where you want to be week 18 or whatever it is now. So I I hope we can get back there and, you know, crack into the wild card at least next year and maybe make some noise. But if 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 Ritter's the dude and we don't have to worry about spending a high pick on a quarterback – like that is just gonna accelerate this thing, so let's hope that we start yeah, gold. Yeah, or you know, I know everybody's talking about trying to bring Lamar over here. I think we really got to resist that. I am perfectly fine, even if Ritter's not the guy. I am perfectly fine, you know, spending money in free agency on the defensive line on a center, um, and then drafting you know more defensive linemen or linebackers or whatever. Right, addressing the areas that need addressing, receiver. And if he's not the guy, then so be it. Then go get the guy the year after that. Like, now Fontenot's got to sort of reverse build the foundation of his house. And now's the time to do it. Like, do not. If he gets a court, if he brings in Lamar or trades for Derek Carr or something stupid like that, that's going to set this franchise back again because you're not addressing the things that absolutely have to be addressed. We are dead last in the league two years in a row at sacking the quarterback. That has to be not just addressed, but like overly addressed. You gotta like really go out and get like two or three guys that you think can really contribute um, in terms of making sure that you are getting pressure on the quarterback. You can, we cannot deal with this bullshit anymore of not of not sacking the quarterback. Yeah, I think they're fully aware of that, Graham. But you know, always good to you know just make sure they're very very much in the know on the need to rush the quarterback. Yeah, uh, yeah. I understand if you go out and get Lamar, there goes. You know, you're going to be paying him $50 million a year, then you only have 17 Yeah, you know. You'd be screwed. It'd be like if that Deshaun Watson deal went through last year. That would have set us back so many years. Right. And so, and that kind of scares me because they just did that a year ago. So the precedent is there to go after a high-profile quarterback when you really shouldn't be doing that. And, that. and that's the one thing that's like a splinter in my mind that's sort of like, are they going to do something or try to do something really stupid like that? And thank God that Deshaun Watson thing didn't happen. Beyond the moral stuff, it's it's just like, I mean, the, uh, it, it's just like, you just don't need that right now, man. It's not what nope. you need. It's not what you need. You're you're the Browns are totally screwed to me in terms of of, of cap space, and they they they've damned their franchise. I think we can't do the same thing. You're here, Graham. Um, well, I don't think we really have much else to talk about, Adam. Other than Carlos Correa looks like he's going to the Twins and not the Mets. Hilarious. I think we need. I think we need to do an ad from our friends at DraftKings, don't we? Oh yeah, let's uh, let's do an ad from our friends from DraftKings, and then we'll uh, talk about this Carlos Correa thing, and then we'll probably put this puppy to sleep. The NFL playoff picture is locked in, and my go-to place for wild card round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers 
can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wild card round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Action so good. Why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? All right, let's talk about some picks. I went one-on-one again last week. I'm sure I'll go one-on-one again, so figure out which pick will be right. Uh, We're going to start off with the Chargers at Jacksonville on Saturday. Should be a good one. I'm going to take the over on this game. Uh, The over is at over-unders at 47.5. Take the over. This is going to be a shootout. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Jacksonville's offense is humming, so is the Chargers. Um, and I think, yeah, it's just going to it's going to be a total shootout. It'll be like 24-28, something like that. Uh, you will get the over uh, with this. So I take the over on the Chargers-Jacksonville game. Then we're going to turn our attention to Baltimore at Cincinnati. I don't think Lamar Jackson's playing this week. Um, and if that's the case... Um, and Vegas doesn't think so either as Baltimore's gained six and a half points. Um, I think Cincinnati's going to win and uh, beat the Ravens by more than six and a half. I think it'll be you know a little bit back and forth, but Cincinnati's loaded. They're pissed off over everything that happened with all the scheduling stuff uh, after they couldn't finish their game a couple weeks ago. So I think they're just going to come out and, and beat the hell out of the Ravens, um, and they'll, they'll win by like 10 points. So feel comfortable taking Cincinnati over Baltimore, even though they're giving up six and a half. But if Lamar Jackson plays, maybe don't do that. Um, so those are your picks. Godspeed. Good luck uh, on DraftKings Sportsbook this weekend. Thanks, Graham. Appreciate your amazing insight as always. <laughs> so here's what you got to do, people. <laughs> Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the promo code TPPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, Adam, we're back. As we teased beforehand, uh, there won't (laughs) won't be much more after this. Um, But Carlos Correa... Looks like he's going to the Twins, going back to the chin. The Twins are supposedly finalizing a six-year, $200 million deal. Pending a physical, of course. This has not worked out twice, so we'll see what happens the third time. Um, after, uh, According to Jeff Passan so of ESPN. So uh, that's good news for the Braves if that happens, Adam. We have to deal with Carlos Correa, who had a uh, really, really damn good season last year with Minnesota. I think he put up 4.9 war. Uh, and just did an all-around great job. So, yeah, hit 291, 366, 467, and played great D. So, yeah, I do not want any more high-profile free agents coming to the NL East unless they're coming to the Braves. So this is good news if it turns out to be true, and it looks like it looks like it is going to be true. Um, uh, apparently, just everything with, with the Mets deal is just is, is dead in the water. Well, it's not only great for the fact that the player isn't going to be in New York and just, you know, a huge pain in our ass and another amazing shortstop in the NL East. But also it's just awful for the Mets fans. You know, it really bumps them off their pedestal a little bit where, you know, they, they were kind of acting like it was, you know, May or June of the season. And they're talking about the World Series already. And it's only, it was only December at the time. So the fact that, the Mets fans were so high thinking that, you know, this guy's going to completely put them over the top. You know, they're pretty excited about the rest of their offseason. This was the guy that's going to get them to the World Series. And now he's gone. 
some weird fluky thing with the physical. How often does that happen? That's just brutal. I would be devastated to go from the excitement of signing a high profile guy to him being gone. So that makes me very happy, Graham. Yeah, that makes me really happy. Fantastic news. I really was hoping that Anthopolis was going to do his like one huge, huge free agent signing and like be the one to steal him from the Mets, but I'm okay with it as is. He's back in the American League. Not a concern to us. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully that official announcement comes soon, and then uh, we don't have to worry about Carlos Correa anymore. Um, not much else going on in, in Braves country, Adam, but it was interesting that Major League Baseball decided to reinstate John Coppolella, who was the general manager before Anthopolis, who drafted many of the players that comprised the 2021 uh, World Series team. And he's back after five year five year ban. Um, so apparently he had a lot of contrition and did the right things while he uh, stepped away from the game. So we'll see if he winds up somewhere back in baseball or not. Um, but I thought it was interesting. I never thought I'd see that headline. You know, I think it's happened before. Apparently George Steinbrenner was out of the league for like four or five years in the late 80s, early 90s, and obviously he came back. So, Yeah, but he was an owner, though, you know? Like, you know, a little more clout than a three- or four-year general manager. Sure. But, you know, Coppola was in the game for a while. He, I mean, he brought us Acuna. He brought us Ozzy Albies. He brought us Max Freed. We owe a lot to Copy. Used to say in copy we trust. He kind of real estate, like rental guy. And of course he's like the head of that organization. It's like guys like that, they're you know they can do whatever the hell they want. Yeah. So it will be interesting to see if he gets back in baseball. At the end of the day, I was kind of like going over this list of players we lost, and so far it doesn't seem like anyone has been a whole lot of anything so far. Your, your your boy, Kevin Maiton, I remember you talking about him nonstop and how he was the next great thing. Oh, yeah, I thought he was going to be great. Yeah, he hit. So did most people. Hit 214 in A ball. Angels th- 23rd ranked prospect as of 2021. So That's pretty bad considering the Angels farm system is always pretty Yeah, trash. so it, it appears we haven't part. lost too much, so that kind of – makes it better and obviously we've won a world series we love alex anthopoulos it's it's worked out okay for us but yeah i don't think there's really much else going on in the braves world graham no no i was i was looking around I was like, there's gotta be something else going on but oh i guess one thing we should mention was uh your boy adam or as you called him oh, a reclamation no! project luke, luke- jackson Yes, this made me sad. I was legitimately sad when I saw that. Um, Shout out to Luke Jackson. Yeah, he signed a pretty... Now now you say shout out to Luke Jackson after you you were disparaging him uh, not last week, but the week before last. What did I say about him? You said, I don't have time for a reclamation project. Oh, well, that's true. It doesn't mean I don't love the guy. But he signed... I saw the terms, $11.5 million. That's too much for Luke Jackson. Our bullpen is too deep. I do agree with past well, Adam. Two years. Two years. Yeah, He's no. only going to get $3 million in 2023. So, Coming off Tommy John, like our bullpen's too deep. I love Luke. But if he, if he had wanted to sign a minor league deal 
and prove it to the Braves, that's great. But yeah, good for him. He was able to find someone to pay him $11.5 million. Go get you some, Luke. But, you know, I mean, he, he was a staple in that World Series bullpen, a uh, fan favorite. Or, you know, half half the fans hated him, half the fans loved him. And um, I, I hope he continues to have success. But uh, just like with Dansby, I guess at the end of the day, the news was sad to me, but he's dead to me now. Call me Mr. Wonderful. I've been watching a lot of Shark Tank recently. Once someone's gone, <laughs> they're dead to me. So we are moving You're on out. without Luke Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like I liked Luke, even though I I know I gave him some some crap over the years, but he was an inconsistent pitcher. He was either like really good or he was like below league average as a pitcher. But the last year he was he was fantastic, except again in the NLCS when the Dodgers just owned his ass. So <laughs> Yeah, I wish him nothing but the best, though. And I also really appreciated his attitude through all the strife and the and the hate he got from fans. He he you know he hung in there and 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 did you know played to the best of his ability and didn't let that rattle him. So um, I think he's got a lot of character. Good, you know, he did a lot of good things for us overall. And uh, yeah, I wish him the best with with San Francisco. And I, I'm really happy that he's not on the Phillies um, or the Mets or hell even even Washington or Florida. You know. I've actually got some more great Braves news for you, Graham. Oh, okay. Right now, January 10th, you could buy $26 tickets to sit on the berm at spring training at Cool Today Park. Guess what date? Braves Red Sox. February 17th. Not that soon. February 25th. That's great. That's next month. It's almost baseball season, Graham. That's that's fantastic. Yep. It's not it's it's not really the new year until pitchers and catchers report. Okay, I, I just got excited. You know, these months and years keep going by quickly as as we age, and February twenty fifth. That's nothing. That's going to be here in the blink of an eye. So, I, I I feel better after this show was therapeutic, like I wanted it to be, and then move on to the happier times with the Falcons and Braves. So. Thanks for your assistance, Graham. I appreciate that. Good. Yeah, very uh, happy for you. Happy you found some catharsis. All right. We are uh, – I think we're out of here, Adam. Unless you got anything else. Oh, yeah, I do. I had three notes today. <laughs> okay. Did you see the Felipe Franks highlight video on Twitter? Yeah, it was hilarious. That was quality. If you look up on Twitter, uh, Felipe Franks – 2022 highlights it's like half of it is him running out of the tunnel in slow motion <laughs> and uh the others are those terrible plays he had in the saints game where he was uh quarterback in the wildcat formation and then there's another play where he just like misses a block and falls on his face so it's uh it's quite All humorous. With inspirational music playing behind it yeah that really sells it uh yeah that covers all my notes for the day though graham back for a this will be the sixth season of Atlanta Zone. Um, and uh, glad you have come along with us, whether you're just starting out or you've been here forever. Um, hopefully we have a, a fun year together again. Um, we will see you all next week. Until then, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospital Thomas Hospital